Hi. Thanks for having me here today. I'm glad that you are letting me talk. Uh, my name is Peter, and I was born to a fisherman who was born to a fisherman who was born to a fisherman. To, well, you get the point, right? We were a family of fishermen, and I, it was all I knew. It was the only job that I knew. Let me tell you a story of, of what happened to me a few years ago. A few years ago, I was on our boat, our family boat, and we were fishing with a bunch of, of our, our family hired helpers and, and my brother Andrew. And while I was on that boat, I heard the two most important words ever spoken to me in my life. While we were there, we were coming up onto the shore, and then we saw on the shore this man, Jesus. And even back then, they were talking that, that this was the Messiah. This was the forever King of God. This was the one who was going to come and bring the kingdom of God to the earth. And while we were near the shore on that boat, this Jesus looked at me and my brother Andrew, and he spoke two words. He said, follow me. Follow me. The two most important words ever spoken to me. I, can you imagine? Follow me? Follow the Messiah? The one who is going to bring about change in the world? The one who is going to bring peace? The one who is going to put an end to sin forever? Follow him? I was incredibly excited. And, and I looked at my brother Andrew and our eyes met. And you know how when you have a brother and you don't have to speak words, but you can speak words? When I looked at him and he looked at me, although his mouth didn't move, he said, Peter, don't mess this up <laughs> because if i'm being really honest i often say i would call them passionate things my mother would call them stupid things at the wrong moment so mustering every ounce of willpower i had i shut my mouth i got out of the boat and i followed jesus i followed him for three years it was the most incredible three years of my life. I saw him heal blind people, heal deaf people. I saw him cast out demons. I saw him heal people with leprosy. I saw him bring a man back to life. It was incredible, and I was a part of this. This was my one opportunity. It never come again. And I remember thinking throughout all those three years, this is your one opportunity. Don't mess it up. Don't be a failure, Peter. Jesus called other disciples. There was many of us. There was a, a core group of 12. <laughs> My father's name is John. And uh, one of the other disciples was not related to me, but his name was also John. And let me tell you, he was like the little brother I never wanted. <laughs> We were always in competition about everything, but yeah, that was fine because you know what? John came to Jesus named John, but I came to Jesus named Simon. My father had named me Simon, but Jesus at one point, he said, you will now be known as Peter. Wow. Peter, what a great name. The Rock. What an excellent name. It was amazing that I got to follow the forever King of God, the Messiah, the one who is going to take the sins of the whole world away, the one who is going to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. This was my one opportunity. I didn't want to mess it up. But then Jesus was betrayed. 
Jesus was betrayed by one of his own disciples. One of us. Jesus was betrayed by, by Judas. Judas handed him over to be interrogated. It handed him over to be crucified. But before Jesus was arrested, you know what Jesus told me? He said, I was going to betray Jesus in my own way. He said that I was going to deny him three times. And I told Jesus, I'll never deny you. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. I would die for you. I will die with you. I will never deny you. But when the guards came into the Garden of Gethsemane and arrested him, we ran. All of us ran. Every single one of us ran. I followed Jesus to the place where they were interrogating Him. It was still early spring, so I was, I was cold. And there was outside in the courtyard where Jesus was being interrogated, I saw that there was a fire. And so I approached the fire, and it was a small charcoal fire. And a bunch of people were around it. They were all servants. They were all slaves. And so I went and I warmed myself by the fire. And then this, this, this young woman, a girl, a servant, a slave, came and said, weren't you one of them that followed this Jesus? And I said, no. And then servant after servant, slave after slave said, yeah, I saw you with him. Weren't you there when they arrested him in the garden? And again and again, I said, no. I didn't know the man. These weren't guards. These weren't officials. These were slaves. These were people who had absolutely no power. These were people that couldn't hurt me if they wanted to. They couldn't hurt me if they tried. And yet I denied Jesus three times. I failed Him and it didn't even matter. My one opportunity and I failed. None of us disciples were at the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, none of us male disciples. <laughs> well, John was there. John came and told us how he was convicted of claiming to be the king of the Jews. How Jesus was crucified on a cross. John told us about the last words Jesus spoke. How he was pierced with a spear and then died. Jesus had failed. We had failed. I had failed. And we were pretty sure they were coming for us next. But then, but then on Sunday morning, some of the women disciples, some of the same ones that were at the crucifixion, they, they went to go to his, his tomb where he was buried. And they came back and they told us that the tomb was empty. And so me and the other disciples and John, we, we raced to the tomb and I'm telling you, I saw with my own eyes that tomb was empty. The stone had been rolled away and that tomb was empty. We were excited. We didn't know what to think. 
And then when all of us disciples were gathered in a room, all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to us. He appeared to us twice. He was flesh and blood. We could touch the nail marks in His hands. We could touch the spear in His side. He was alive. He lived. We were excited. We couldn't believe it. And somehow now Jesus could walk through walls. But He was flesh and blood and we could touch Him and we could hug Him. And then, we didn't see Him again. We didn't see Him again for a long time. So long, in fact, that me and Bartholomew and James and John and a bunch of other of us just we decided to go up back home to Capernaum and Galilee because we didn't hear from Jesus. He didn't appear to us. So when we were going back up, the other six were saying, Hi, why, why haven't we seen him? What's he doing? What's happening? You know what? I knew what was happening. <laughs> I knew what was happening. Jesus was out looking for other men to call his disciples ones who weren't complete and utter abject failures like we were. Like I was. I had my one opportunity to follow Jesus and I failed miserably. I didn't only fail to die with Him, but I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even acknowledge that I knew the man to people who had no power over me. One day we were, all seven of us were at the, uh, the Sea of Galilee and it was twilight. The sun was setting. We were next to the boat, the same boat that Jesus had called me to. And He called me out of. As the sun was setting, it was nighttime, and I just... I didn't want to spend time with them anymore. You know what I mean? I didn't even know why we were hanging out with each other anymore. It didn't make sense. So I got so frustrated, I... I I finally said, you know what, I'm going to go fishing. And as I got on the boat, John, John says, oh, well, I'm going to come with you. And I said, no, I want to be alone. Thank you very much. But John pushed right by me and walked onto my boat. And he says, well, you can't fish with just one person with these archaic nets that you use. You need at least two, and it'll go easier with all seven of us. We're coming. Fine. It was still early spring, so it was cold that night. So I took my jacket off after we started rowing and rowing so hard that even though it was freezing out, we were exhausted. We rowed from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We threw net after net after net and pulling them in with absolutely nothing to show for it. Not even a small fish. Nothing. Huh. Great. Great. Not only did I fail Jesus, I couldn't even go back to my other way of life. We were there all night, hadn't caught a single thing. And finally, as the sun started to rise, you know that dull gray before you actually see it come over the horizon? I said, guys, that's it. Let's go. So we started rowing back to the, the shore. And as we approached the shore, there was a man walking on the beach. Single man. And he called to us. Children, you haven't caught any fish, have you? 
He's probably looking for his breakfast. And I yelled back at him, no! And then, this man on the shore says, cast your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Are you kidding me? We've been doing this all night long. I was about to go yell at him again when all of a sudden, John throws my nets into the water. Are you kidding me, John? I pushed him out of the way. I started trying to pull him back up. I just wanted to go to bed. I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I went to go pull the net up and it wouldn't budge. It was heavy. And so I yelled at the others, help me. It probably snagged on something. So as we're trying to pull this up, all seven of us, all of a sudden we, we float it up just enough and we can see that it is filled to the top with fish. And we're pulling and pulling. And I, at this point, I'm thinking it's going to sink the whole ship. There's so many fish in there. I can't believe the nets haven't broken yet. And as we're pulling, all of a sudden, John, who must have let go of the net at some point, he wasn't helping. He put his arm on me. And he whispered, he says, it's the Lord. And then I dropped the net. And I was about to dive in and go swim to him, but then I thought, well, I, I want to look as presentable as possible. So I threw my, my outer cloak back on, and then I dove into the water, and I swam all the way to the shore. I can't tell you what I was feeling. I was, I was excited. I was, I was elated. I was anxious. I was nervous. I was scared. But I decided while I was swimming that I was going to ask Jesus, where do we stand? Where do we stand, you and me? Besides, he probably didn't even know that I denied him. He wasn't there. When I came onto the shore, there was Jesus. He was sitting on some driftwood. He was cooking some fish and bread. And he was cooking them over a charcoal fire. A charcoal fire just like the one that I denied him at. As I approached him, Jesus looked at me and we met eyes. And the moment I saw him, I knew that he knew. He knew I denied him. He knew that I'd failed him. Jesus looked away back to what he was doing and he said to me without looking at me, he says, why don't you go bring in some of the fish you caught? I hadn't done anything. I didn't care about fish. Who cared about fish at this point? But I said, well, I'll go. I'll go help them. I looked over and James and John and Nathaniel, they were over there and they were pulling the boat in. And they, I mean, they had this net. They didn't even bother to bring it on the boat. They're just trying to get it to shore. And even though I was distraught and I didn't even care, I was amazed at how many fish had been there. John started counting them. I'm like, we have better things to do, John. But there was 153 fish. I can't believe the nets didn't break. And being in a good Jewish host... Jesus said, come and eat with me. So we sat with him around that fire and we ate our fish breakfast in total silence. We all looked at Jesus and we could recognize it was Jesus, but he looked different. 
I don't know, he looked healthier, he looked, he looked stronger, he looked fitter, maybe taller. I don't know, it's hard to explain. He looked more of himself than, than ever before. None of us dared to ask him about it. But as we sat there in silence, do you know how difficult that was? Do you know how hard it is to sit in silence when your conscience weighs so heavy? When I know what I did and I know that he knows what I did? Finally, when we were done eating, Jesus looked up at me and he looked me right in the eyes. And he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon. Why was he using my old name? He's the one who named me Peter. And what was he asking? Was he asking, do, 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 do I love him more than the disciples around me? Do, do I love him more than anyone else? I didn't know what he was asking me, but of course I said, Lord, you know that I do. And he said to me, then feed my little lambs. And when he said that, I, I got excited because I thought, yes, he, he's, he's, he's restored me. Yes, he's acknowledged me. I, I, I'm a follower of his again. But then Jesus said to me, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Why was he asking me a second time? I had already told him that I had. Why, why would he ask me again if I loved him? It didn't make any sense. It did make sense. I've seen Jesus do this sort of thing before. He was about to make a, a point. He was using me as an example. Don't be a failure like Peter, who now is going back to be named Simon. Don't mess up like Peter, because now he's Simon again, and he had one chance, and he threw it away. But even then, I said to him, Lord, you know that I love you. And he looked at me in the eyes and he said, then shepherd my sheep. And then Jesus asked me a third time. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I said to him, of course I love you. You know all things, Lord. Of course you know that I do. And of course he knew. Of course he knew that I denied him three times. Of course he knew that, that I had denied him to people who had no power over me. To people who couldn't do anything or affect my life in any way. But I was... <laughs> he knew that I was a coward at heart. And he knew that I was an absolute failure as a disciple. And I was a failure as a fisherman. He was a carpenter for crying out loud. And he could fish better than me. Jesus stood up. He looked me in the eye. And He said, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you would get up, tie your belt around your waist, and walk wherever you wanted to. But when you grow old, you will stand up, your arms will be stretched out, you will be tied and carried to a place you do not want to go. He was talking about crucifixion. Great. I remember thinking, this is it. This is what happens when you fail God. When you fail God, when you ruin your one chance, He throws you out. He doesn't use you anymore. The best that you can hope for is maybe God remembers you, and the worst you can hope for is maybe you die a horrible death because He doesn't care anymore because He gave you a chance and you threw it away. 
And then Jesus, he smiled. And he looked me in the eye. And he said two words. He said two words. The two most important words I'd ever heard in my life. He said, follow me. Follow me and love the people that I love. Follow me and serve people the way I serve them. Follow me and show people that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me and tell them that if they repent of their sins and believe in me, they can be forgiven. Follow me and show people they can be adopted into God's family. Follow me and show them the kingdom of God. Follow me and live the life that I lived and die the death that I died. And one day, one glorious day, you will be resurrected by me and live forevermore. Follow me. I noticed at that point, Nathaniel had his arm on my shoulder. How long had it been there? The other six were surrounded me as well and I looked at all of them and and then I looked at John and I said something really stupid. <laughs> I said, Lord, what about him? I mean, if I was going to die crucified, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus smiled. <laughs> he said, if I want him to stay on earth until I come again, what's it to you? But then he got real serious again. And he said, but as for you, follow me. I failed Jesus. And so have you. Every single one of you. We have all failed Jesus. None of us have gotten out of this life without doing that. Every single one of us have failed Jesus. But when you fail Jesus, don't stay away from Him. When you fail Jesus, come back to Him. You have all failed Jesus. We have all failed Jesus. I don't know how you've done it. You might have failed Jesus with the words that came out of your mouth. You might have failed Jesus in your relationship with men or with women. You might have failed Jesus with your relationship with your parents. You might have failed Jesus in the way that you've raised your kids. You might have failed Jesus by lying. You might have failed Jesus in the way that you've worked and the way you've treated other people. You might have failed Jesus at your job with your neighbors. You might have failed Jesus in your marriage. You might have failed Jesus like I did by denying him to people who have no power over you. But if you come back to Jesus, He will restore you immediately. And He will look you in the eye and say, follow Me. Look, don't waste days, don't waste weeks, don't waste months, don't waste years staying away from Jesus because you failed Him and you're too ashamed to go back. Throw your coat on, swim to Him across the lake and look Him in the eye and say, I have failed you. I love you. And Jesus will say, follow me. When you have failed Jesus, don't waste your life running away from Him. Go back to Him right now. Go back to Him in this moment. 
Follow Him and He will receive you. He will restore you. The forgiveness of God is deeper than your sin. The forgiveness of God is greater than your sin. God takes failures like you and me and restores them in Christ Jesus.